Today's episode is brought to you by Clark's. Almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin, they had no idea that you would need it for walking back and forth from your bed to your kitchen and then back to your bed. At the time, it was groundbreaking. A combination of invention and craftsmanship has remained at the heart of what Clark's does. So you can feel good about the trails you're treading, no matter how repetitive and dull they seem. So we here at the All Lone Pod are teaming up with Clark's to bring you up to 30% off on select items. Head to podgo.co slash Clark's to find out more. That's podgo.co slash Clark's. Welcome back to All Alone with Something to Say. This is your host, Emma Newberry. Excitingly, this will be the last episode where it potentially sounds like I or my guest are trying to open a particularly stubborn package of Twinkies because we're getting some better, less scratchy headphones. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, please enjoy this lovely episode with one of my best friends, Devin. We started. We we started what? The podcast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're we're live. Oh wait, no no no, we're not we're live. We're not live. Not. All right, all right, all right. This is the good stuff. Yes, true. Well, hi Emma Bear, how are you? <laughs> hi Dev. I'm good. I'm excited. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing okay. I kind of I w- weirdly kind of crushed my Monday. I never crush my Monday, but I did pretty good today. So I'm I'm feeling I think probably because I was thinking about doing this and getting excited about Aww. it progressively throughout the afternoon. Was it like with cold calls or just in general Ugh, emotionally yes, you crushed the day? <laughs> yes, I was cold calling. I had a little bit of success today. I mean, it's weird because I I like to talk um yeah and just ramble but like when you're like <laughs> like trying to sell something or whatever it's totally different it's not as fun and i usually don't find a, a way to inject my own like energy or like good sense of whatever into it huh. that's weird because i feel like that's one of your qualities that would make you good at selling people so it's more of a confidence thing i'm still learning and still learning more so how to just like deal with people. It's like a mental trick. Like if you just tell yourself, I'm happy and I'm like, this is fun, even though it's not, like <laughs> it goes, it goes a lot better. And then like all of a sudden you have some person that kind of hears it in your voice that you're not a robot, I guess. And they give you the time of day, which sometimes that's rewarding. And sometimes it's not, which brings us to our prompt. <laughs> excellent if slightly concerning way to get us into our topic for today first of all i should introduce my guest today on the show we have devin kennedy who is one of my closest friends and has been for a very long time and has always been one of my more contemplative friends i would say um even though half the time maybe it's in a way that's just making fun of me But today we're going to be talking about, in a non-hokey way, sort of what it means to find fulfillment in your life as a young person, trying to map out your future, not only during the pandemic, but just sort of in general, um, how mental health plays into that, how the pandemic plays into that, and 
honestly, we're just going to sit down and acknowledge that we are two white, privileged, employed, not sick people during this time. We have homes, we have places to shelter and place safely. And we're going to kind of unpack the guilt that comes with that and the ways that it can actually hinder us from helping others and giving back in a way that is really necessary during this time. As he said, Devin does love to ramble. So we have sort of a looser uh, structure this week, but we hope you will enjoy our casual and meandering discussion about the very future of our existence and the highest possible stakes ever. My name is Devin Kennedy. I'm a 24-year-old commercial real estate broker in Los Angeles. Um, it is not the best job, um, especially <laughs> when you start in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, it's a job that necessitates a lot of networking, um, which I don't mind doing um, because you do find cool people. So it's a lot of like, oh, yeah, we'll get lunch, we'll get beers, we'll play golf, kind of like old school, like businessy stuff. But um, all of that, of course, went by the wayside when the pandemic um, took hold of this fragile earth. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's just strictly, strictly like, you know, trying to compile lists of leads and then just calling those people. That's all. And, and emailing, yeah. I suppose. Um, it is so unfulfilling and I so don't like it, but it's a job. And I guess I should be grateful to have a job in which I'm learning stuff. So. Well, so this is like when I was preparing for the episode today, I was reading a bunch of different things, but there were a lot of articles about um, basically like people who are comfortably sheltering in place as in like they have somewhere to do that and they're not sick and they have a job still mm -hmm. are feeling what therapists have been calling unprecedented levels of guilt. But I feel like everything is just, everyone is using that word in front of everything uh, now. I know the word. <laughs> also, I noticed that a lot of people, like no one I know, none of my friends say by the wayside, like ever in conversation, but so many people have said like my life or blank has gone by the wayside since the pandemic happened. Like, are we all just like hearing that somewhere? And it's like osmosing into our brain. Oh my God. No one, that's fine. No one I know I talks like that. that. You said it. Yeah. A second ago. Yeah. Wow. It just sounds, we're just all reading the same stuff, but, um, this is some heavy One of the, stuff. I feel like I'm on crossfire with Bill O'Reilly. You're like coming at my neck here. I'm so, oh my no, gosh, no, no. no. I'm just kidding. Obviously, oh, okay. the complete opposite. <laughs> but I was going to say a lot. There's this one therapist who said that those two things, feeling like you're unfulfilled in your job and feeling grateful that you have a job right now, mm. have been our parallel tracks ah. of thought that have been put on the same track for a lot of people right now. Well, isn't that because you feel like you have to qualify a lot of your feelings? I mean, I feel that way. See how there's there's disconnect there, and it's weird. It's sort of hard because I don't want us to like exhaust ourselves qualifying every single thing that we say, but we also have to acknowledge that we're both really privileged, oh, white, yeah. upper middle class, employed. I just feel like as a white woman, I wanted to acknowledge that it's just like a fact that white people, particularly white women, have co opted 
the self-care industry primarily from black women and just like taken. Is that true? Yeah, that is true. This is a good example. There was a recent scandal where a white influencer who is sort of like, you know, feminist, like she's very like sex positive, body positive, like LGBTQ supporter. She released a book called Women Don't Owe You Pretty. And a black author who had published a book, I think a couple years before that, that's like very suspiciously similar, contacted the publisher and was like, excuse me, like, hello, what? And they basically dropped her contract. Her name is Chidera. She goes by the slum flower. But it's just this idea that like, if you take ideas from black women and package them and have white women hold them, it sells better. Like self-care originally, like Audre Lorde wasn't talking about like putting on a sheet mask and like watching, you know, Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. which do that. Like you, if you want to do that, if you need to do that, then do that. But, but I just felt like we couldn't talk about like doing things that calm us down or doing things that make us happy without there is no there is no bigger critic of miss gwyneth paltrow than yours truly don't even get me started on goop you know about goop of course i do we're I doing an episode on obviously it. components of it that are well intended i i was very critical of her pseudoscientific bullshit she was pawning off as like this is going to be good for or whatever. Buy, yeah. buy this for $130 or whatever. And the counter argument was, well, she's still doing stuff to destigmatize things that women have been told that yeah. you should feel this way about this and whatnot. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with that, but that doesn't make Gwyneth Paltrow. It doesn't mean you open. shove like a Jade Yoni egg up you. <laughs> For $200. This non sequitur was brought to you by. <laughs> do we have do we have a sponsor for that? For that uh, we do have a sponsor for this episode. It is uh, Clark's Slippers. Clark's? <laughs> what a coincidence. I'm wearing my Clark's right now. Are you really? They're so comfortable. Well, not really, but like <laughs> Clark's time and time again comes through for me. Classic. And my freakish feet are your feet weird no 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 any any tall ish person usually has big feet there's no there's no pretty way to have a big foot you (laughs) you know what i mean i want that on a shirt all right back on track back on track so there's this article in the atlantic by arthur c brooks called two kinds of happy people and it's about these different philosophies of happiness and there are two greek philosophers who had two ideas of happiness that have sort of like lasted in the current understanding of what it means to lead a good life. So Devin is going to read. Wait a minute. So it's Epicurus and what, how do you pronounce the other guy's name? Epic. So I, I looked it up today. I think it's Epictetus. 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 Okay. Reading from Brooks here, Epicurus believed a happy life requires two things. Oh, come on with the Greek words. A, a taraxia, a taraxia, which means freedom from mental disturbance, and apania, the absence of physical pain. His philosophy might be characterized as if it is scary or painful, work to avoid it. Oh boy, this sounds like me. Epicureans see discomfort as generally negative and thus the elimination of threats and problems as the key to a happier life. Don't get the impression that I am saying they are lazy or unmotivated. (laughs) 
thank God. Quite the contrary in many cases. But they don't see enduring fear and pain as inherently necessary or beneficial, and they focus instead on enjoying life. Epicurus has gotten a really bad rap in like modern society. Like Epicuria at Bowdoin, Epicuria is because it's like a night of debauchery. But like he didn't really mean it like that. It was more just it wasn't like only pursue things that feel good in this like animalistic way, which like is fine. Yeah, but I mean, it just more like it would have been interesting to be our age in the 60s or something when there was such a a pushback and then thanks a lot reagan it all went to (laughs) and that's our show everybody yeah mic drop um all right and then moving on though to epictetus appendicitis was one of the most prominent stoic philosophers who believed happiness comes from finding life's purpose accepting one's fate and behaving morally regardless of the personal cost. His philosophy could be summarized as, quote, grow a spine and do your duty. People who follow a stoic style see happiness as something earned through a good deal of sacrifice. Not surprisingly, stoics are generally hard workers who live for the future and are willing to incur substantial personal costs to meet their life's purpose as they see it without much complaining. They see the key to happiness as working through pain and fear, not actively avoiding them. Right. I'm just going to read this quote that I heard while I was watching a TV show recently this week. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect for the episode. Do you know the show Search Party on HBO? Mm, I'm going to look it up right now. It has Aaliyah Shawkat in it. Oh, Aaliyah Shawkat, of course. (laughs) In the most recent season, the main character goes through a weird experience, like a kidnapping experience that like nobody would, it's very rare that that would happen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, after her boyfriend and her friends rescue her, she has like this sort of like moment of clarity and she's asking all of them like, what what makes it, what makes life worth living to you? What makes you get up in the morning and what gives you meaning? Mm-hmm. And then her boyfriend says, I know you're going through some sort of unique trauma or something, but generally we have it very easy. Like, do you think starving people in other countries ask themselves these questions? Do you think that our ancestors did? No, they just got up. They got up and they painted their little caves or made tools out of a saber tooth, tiger tooth or whatever. They just did it. They didn't think about it. They just got up. Yeah. And I I do think that it is really a privilege to like, I don't know, meditate on our existence at this level. I think about my papa and my Grammy, uh, God rest their souls. Um, they came over from Ireland, I don't know, when they were like 16 or 17. They didn't speak English. They just spoke Gaelic and they didn't have any money. My Grammy's sister, older sister, who was originally supposed to come died and she just took her ticket and came and like it's just unbelievable like the guy and then of course they had eight children all eight of them are successful i have a huge family all these cousins everyone it's like remarkable like there's no bad apples in the crop and i just it it like defies logic but and then there's little old me who is a little offshoot of that and I'm sitting here complaining about my existence and oh, I don't feel fulfilled. Like, yes, it's good to be in touch with your emotions, but my goodness, it feels, I just feel such guilt when I like really slip into that. And then I'm reminded like, 
come on, Buttercup. Like, what are you doing right now? When he said in the Epicurus summary, don't get the impression that I'm saying that they're lazy or unmotivated. Like societally, we have really made it out to be like, are you lazy or, or like, do you oh care? My God, yeah. There's, I don't know. I even, I acknowledged it. I was like, I feel a sense of self-importance categorizing myself more in as, you know, B than A. Right. It's embedded in a lot of aspects of our society. Yeah, we could get all Weberian. (laughs) (laughs) Weberian, yeah. Talking about this versus otherworldly aestheticisms. I mean... What he gives at the end of the article when he's like, if you want to think about what, which one you are, you should ask yourself this question. When my mood is low, do I naturally look to increase my level of pleasure and enjoyment or do I focus on meaning and purpose in my life? That basically to me sounds like he's like, so are you a B or like, do you take responsibility for your life? And maybe that's, I'm projecting my own understanding of it. I think there's a lot of judgment. Yeah. When you say to someone like, oh, I'm really happy right now, or like you've noticed that you're, you're feeling happy. Do either of those like remotely describe it? Because I don't really... I don't really... At this point in my life, I really don't derive much of my happiness at all through accomplishment. Um, yeah. Hopefully I start... <laughs> hopefully I start accomplishing things, I guess. But um, more so... I guess more so it's just from like going on a really pretty hike or like experiencing something. I was just driving along the coast listening to um, Unwritten by Natasha Bedding. uh, I think it's Beddingfield. Beddingfield? Yeah. Leave your inhibitions, you know, feel feel the the rain rain on your skin. Right. I was thinking about what makes me really happy and like every day pretty much I just for even if it's like a little bit, I have like the bird cam on my computer and I just like watch a puffin burrow or like watch you know whatever's nesting at that time and like I love I sound like an actual like 90 year old man but bird lady yeah (laughs) yeah I love birds I yeah I don't know I just could stare at a bird doing something for like hours and just feel like I guess maybe I would say peace but like that's more what I think being happy is than like this jolt of like oh my god I did it yeah I can't wait for you to come visit because going back to the privilege of it, I really like living in Los Angeles. It's pretty fun. I think you would dig it too, Emma Bear. Do you really think I'd dig it? I feel like it's the antithesis of my personality. Um, I don't ever go to like West Hollywood or mm. Beverly Hills. I don't do that. Shit. Like, I'm sorry. Can I? Can I swear? I tend to have a bit of a potty mouth, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold that. I know. Um, <laughs> um, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm like a super chill, aspiring surfer now, which is the most difficult and humbling thing ever. But it's just like, okay, I've had a horrible week. I have writhing anxiety. Is that the proper usage of that word? I think I'm writhing with anxiety. I'm writhing with anxiety. And so we get up um, at 5 a.m. before the sun rises and we have a cup of coffee and we drive to the beach and then surf while the sun is rising. And it's just, you can't, you can't think about anything except just how wonderful and calming it is. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, like I am just like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And I think my job is just a bunch of baloney, but yeah. 
everything everything could be a lot worse. So I don't know. I do get the guilt part of it. But that's the thing. Like when when you're surfing, you're not like in that moment. You're not like you said. You're not thinking about anything. But you're also not going like how self indulgent of me that I'm like doing something that calms me down when like not everyone is calm right now. I just feel yeah. like there's a productive way of thinking about it. And then like a ruminating way that just like leaves you stuck in no, yeah, your own sure. thoughts. Like I think self-pity and self-reflection are really different, but it's really easy for them to come together. It's weird too. I think a lot of it for me is like so compared to some of my friends, like one of my friends that I live with here is trying to become a writer and he is just, he works so psychotically hard and like, just like pushes himself to the brink. I obviously, of course, admire that. And I think clearly you do too. But I feel like there's also like an unnecessary amount of social capital that comes with being like, I work really hard and like I push myself. Maybe not in your friend's case, but like in some cases beyond what is healthy. But like that's supposed to be a marker of me being a good person. Yeah, I am. I see what you're saying. It is it is curious, though, because this person in particular isn't like that. But uh, that culture was very much a part of um, social life at Bowdoin. Absolutely. We really revere productivity and like success as this abstract. Like there's a I don't think social capital is the right term, but I don't know what what term to use. Um, Hmm. But there's like a an aura of it or something. Odin, if you were like, uh, I don't care, it's like, what? Who the hell are, who the hell is this guy? Like, Yeah. That's why I think that's part of why I feel so much better now. Yeah. I mean, you've completely, yeah. I feel like I'm pretty different, honestly. <laughs> Very chill. <laughs> I mean, really not chill, but I was like bug in, as Noah would say, <laughs> for all four years. Yeah. I mean, I've just, I'd never seen a person go through, revise as many drafts as you. I just don't know where you found the time. There would be like a 10 page paper, you know, and you would have four or five drafts for it. It's like, holy crap. I was raised by lawyers who work in appeals. Oh, well, yeah, that's how that goes. Our house is covered in papers with red line and like. (laughs) I know, but you had, uh, obviously do have a talent for the page and so the the doubt that I have a way with a pen <laughs> oh, yes <laughs> um but you know your draft number two was probably far far superior than any draft that a lot of people would ever even be able to to you know vomit up on the paper so <laughs> just being able to like take a step back and perspective of it like okay i'm doing i'm doing fine i know this maybe i could spend five more hours on this and make it better but it's still really good i don't know if you felt this way um but i just like i guess i still do this but i clung to such arbitrary markers of like like the biggest shift for me after graduation was like why is no one telling me how good i'm doing mm. and like why am i not getting like feedback even if it's negative feedback like you're just supposed to like go out and do whatever for yourself yeah yeah and like ideally i would like to do that in service of other people but no one's like okay emma like it's okay that you slept in a little bit like you're still smart like i just i have had to build that for 
myself and I'm still not super good at it, but I'm trying to cut myself slack. Yeah, I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you some slack. I have so much slack. I don't know. Maybe I can volunteer this. I weirdly had this flawed sort of track that I was anticipating, half anticipating, I guess, that I would follow. Like I had a, what's the term? A long-term uh, girlfriend. Oh yeah, girlfriend. And we were together. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> we, yeah. we were uh, together for a really long time and she went to school in LA and I went to school at Bowdoin with you and I used to come visit and I was like, wow, I really like it here. I'm going to move here to be with you, but also because I love it. And I was here for a year in the pandemic and it became pretty clear that like, wow, I really like love this person. I came of age with this person, so to speak. And doing that was like pretty amazing, but this isn't the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And so that is like, that shock is like, okay, this thing that has been a constant in my life since I was just some petulant little spoiled Bowden, I don't know, guy. And it's gone now. So like, holy hell, that only adds to it. It exacerbates the sort of anxiety of it all. But I don't know, like, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm certainly glad it did happen because now you do like well, yeah, very much yeah. actively trying to build some sort of idea of what I want to do. I don't know, like and move forward, I suppose, but it's a weird thing. Breakups, breakups be weird and shit. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, and I, whenever I try to say this to myself, it doesn't really work, but I do believe this is true. If you were to like make yourself feel guilty for having a hard time with something like a breakup, when some people have a hard time with something like, you know, making sure they have enough food to feed their family. Like there's, it always could be worse, but it doesn't mean that I think you can incapacitate yourself by thinking so much about the things in your life that you are struggling with or feel are not, you know, to your satisfaction, but you can also incapacitate yourself by like pushing that away and not letting yourself process it and like move past it. Processing was just starting. I think it all kind of hit me like a brick wall while I, while I was home. And then it forces you to do some serious ruminating. I got back to work and I'm just sitting there like kind of worrying, whatever. And then like all of a sudden, like I, my vision starts to go like my heart is racing and it's kind of like super flashy kind of like seeing stars, I guess you could say. And I am like freaking out. I'm like, what is happening right now? And like, then, you know, like what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. And like, I know now that I was having a panic attack and I had no idea what what it was. I was like, what? And so I like went to my boss. I was like, I I have to get out of here. I have to go. I have to go. I have to go. And he was like, what? Like, can you drive? And I'm like, yes, like I'm leaving. Goodbye. And it was crazy. And like, I went to like an eye doctor. I remember getting a snap from you from the car about that, Well, I, about how your pupils were dilated. It was bad because I was like, I can't believe this is legal, but my eyes are dilated. I'm about to drive. And you're about to drive. And you, you snapped me like, it definitely is illegal. Like, what are you talking about? And I made it. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Why? <laughs> was I supposed to have someone bring me here? <laughs> and then it's kind of like, it was like a, I don't know, a light bulb goes on. It's just like, dude, like, there's some really bad stuff going on in your head. Like, you have to address it. You can't just, like, ignore that you feel and like, I don't know, once I realized that, I feel like I'm kind of turning the corner a little bit. As someone who also has struggled with anxiety for a long time, I was actually thinking about um, anxiety. The part of anxiety that like isn't talked about as much is not just irrational thinking about like what might happen or like if someone's mad at you, that's a huge one for me. But mm. also the idea that like you go through this secondary chastising thing. Where you're like, why are you even like, why do you think that someone would even care about you enough to be mad at you? And like, why are you even thinking that? And like, I used to see that as a way to check my anxiety and be like, Emma, like, you're not the center of the universe. Stop, which I know and can be helpful. But that's also like, that's part of mental illness, I think, too, which is what I would, I mean, you don't have to like, call it that if you don't want to, but I personally feel like that's the same voice still. We've been friends for a long time. And I have always been like lovingly baffled by wait a minute your <laughs> by my what no just by the ease with which you seem to handle things I always remember being like yeah I don't really get anxious like I don't I don't yeah know. I know it was infuriating <laughs> <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh this is what it's like this sucks but if I hadn't been so laissez-faire with my own personal professional development or whatever i probably would be in a position where i wasn't so i don't know consistently upset with just where i am in that part of my life i guess i don't know correlation and causation not the same yeah i mean my dad his the love of his life is drumming he went to law school because he didn't know what else he wanted to do and he knew he had to do something he did that yeah and he like worked at a bookstore for a while and then he eventually is now a public defender which i think morally i guess if you want to quantify it that way is very well i think he he feels like at least initially starting out he felt like he contributed something good now when i talk to him about it he doesn't feel like he's really that he can do too much but he's in like two-ish bands practices every day he like is drumming all the time he basically just like does vocal percussion all day. Like, so it's very much like his life, Yeah. but it's not his life in that, like he doesn't work in that field. And I don't know if he particularly, he would like it to be a bigger part of his life. That is so cool that your father though has maintained that, you know, it's not just a hobby. Like it's, it's like his passion. It's what he loves. I mean, surfing has quickly become something of that sort. I am so intensely bad at it and could go every single day like, oh my God, I did that little tiny thing that I had never done before is so fulfilling. I just want to watch my puffin burrow and recharge myself so I can like do good in the world. I really hope, I really hope that I, well, first of all, can just make a little bit of money just so I can like, just hang in there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how the hell I'm going to find it, but I hope that I stumble across something where, you know, it's, I, it's worth working super hard for, and I feel gratification from doing so. And as you said, 
I'm able to make some other positive impact on other people's lives while doing it. That's the dream, of course. But how does one identify what, or even just the path to get to that, where that is? Or I don't know. I have to maybe, it's going to take a, some initiative in itself. I can't yeah. be lazy to find that, which is, you know, that's, that's fine. That's, 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 that's how it should be, I suppose. You don't just stumble across your calling, but. I do know that I don't have it now, and I don't know what it is. Um, so in the me- in the meantime, I'm just going to really appreciate how lucky I am, I guess, for the time being. I'm certainly not in a bad place, as I said. I can't wait for you and hopefully Dan the Man and Noah to come visit. It'd be super fun. But I, f- I would wager that eventually I will have a sort of... Um, something inside of me that an uneasiness that is rooted in that and to resolve that I'm going to have to I don't know try to find that thing but I don't know maybe it's (laughs) maybe it's podcasting maybe maybe me and you are going to change the landscape for of the podcasting world forever We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of All Alone with Something to Say. While I'm sure some of our musings didn't exactly inspire confidence in us, if you are struggling with anxiety, mental health, and are uncertain about your future, that's totally normal, and feel free to reach out. You can reach us at the All Alone Pod on Instagram and Twitter, or you can email us at theallalonepod at gmail.com.